0: Well, it's lovely to be up here this morning and uh, <laughs> be able to preach again. It's been a while, about nine weeks. So for a preacher, that's sort of dry. <laughs> I'd just like to publicly thank Matt, who's walking off the stage right now, for um, yeah, all the work he did looking after the church in my absence. And I just wanted to show you a few photos of uh, my holiday. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? That that was me. I took that. <laughs> okay, next. Uh oh, that's a bit fuzzy. It's the phone. <laughs> next. That's the street I was in in Banff. As you can see, like we were there and it was autumn in Canada. We went over to Canada and Hawaii for those who didn't know. Uh, we've been saving up for a few years and we went, so it was for our 25th anniversary, which is actually last year. We are a bit slow saving up. But um so we went to Hawaii and they there in Banff, it was autumn, but there was an unseasonal snowstorm. And you know how God just loves to bless us with stuff? And Joe mentioned quite a few things to me on our holiday over there where God just, little things, you know, that, that we think are insignificant, God blesses us with. Well, I always wanted to drive in the snow. It's one of my, you know, big dreams. Amazing dreams I have, right? Dream bigger, new. Well, he gave me lots of snow and I got to drive in that and it was just fun living another life you know scraping ice off the windscreen and things like that and another one of the things on my bucket list of amazing dreams was to sit in a hot spring in the snow and of course it looked like it might not happen but when it rained uh, sorry rain snowed here now uh, banff has this hot spring that you can go into and it sat there and it was snowing into this hot spring and you're sort of sitting there in your bathers just lolling around in it's hot water amazing uh next that's just some mountains. That was uh, the view from one of the hotels we stayed at. Um, just gorgeous, isn't it? So different to Australia. And next, that's a shark. <laughs> I wasn't actually swimming under it. That's an aquarium. But I just wanted to show you that because I was in Toronto, um, but pretty scary. So that's sort of a few snaps. I don't have many because I just got them off my phone. Joe's got all these amazing photos. But... I was reminded so much on holidays of just how much I miss this place as well, Um, having fellowship. I went to um, another church over there. I only actually went once. And um, you know what I've discovered? That it's not the size of a church that makes it friendly or unfriendly, whatever it is. It's the people's hearts. And um, coming back, the first time I walked in, obviously everyone knows me, but it just felt warm and loving and kind. And I loved being here. I just, just wanted to be here. I felt like it was home. And um, while well, I say that, it's not too bad. The church I went to it was great. Um, the message was good and everything. But, you know, afterwards it was a small church, maybe 40 people. And not one person came and said, G'day. Now, I'm pretty sure in a church of 40 people that people know you're not usually there. <laughs> and. <laughs> You know, one guy sort of come up the aisle and I thought, oh, he's coming to say hello to me anyway. I was like, hey, how you going? And he's like, oh yeah, good, good, thanks, and walked through to say hello to someone else. Why am I saying this? I just want to impress on you guys. Be friendly, be kind, be loving, be welcoming. And as God says to us, you know, that we're to welcome the strangers. And it's not just into our homes, but also into this home. Have your eyes open a bit, because there's a lot of people that, looking for a relationship and just a bit of love and care i'm one of them i look for that i like i like it when people are friendly and nice to me i remember one of my pastor friends used to say to me it's nice to be nice and it's nice to meet nice people and it was totally spot on there's a lack of niceness in the world today and you know what god has given us this heart of love to love other people the way that he loves us and we need to make sure that we We use that and be kind and welcoming to others and stop being so insular and inward looking and, you know, it's all about me and my needs and what people can do for me, what they can say to me, how they can make me feel better. Because you know what? Above all things, we have Jesus Christ in our life. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And in fact, we're not orphans, we're not alone anyway. And when we depend on Christ for everything in our lives, it fills us with this joy and vitality and and it changes who we are in our nature. This is not my message, but it does. Christ in us changes us. As we read this morning, you know, that he gives us this desire to do his will and, and to make him happy, to please him in everything we do. And so as a Christian, let's lock in Let's look into God because he is the one who supplies every need, not people. They help, but God is sufficient for us. And, and so we sometimes feel this insignificance or I'm shy or I possibly couldn't say hello to people. I'm, you know, This is who I am. I'm shy. People don't think that's true. My natural inclination as a child was to be really shy, to not step out, to not be noticed, to not be in front of people. And it's still a little bit the same today. But I came to a realisation one day that God had a plan for my life and He wanted to use me. He wanted me me to be friendly and kind and speak to other people, to, to input into their life, to encourage them, to grow them in Christ the best I could, and to actually preach in front of people. I'm shy. That was my natural voice talking to me. You're shy. You can't do this. It's impossible for you to actually be that person. But then I read the Word of God, and this is where the Word of God is so powerful in our life. It contains amazing promises, not just about what he wants to give us, but amazing promises about who we are. And the Bible says that the righteous are as bold as lions. And I remember reading that word one day, because that's what I did. I just read the Word My testimony is I got saved at um, an event where uh, a testimony, for those who might not know, it's my story, that's all it means, but we in Christian church sometimes say our testimony because we're giving you the facts of what happened in our life. I went to a movie called The Cross and the Switchblade and it was run by a church at Springs Primary School and the message spoke to me. It was about labels. What's the label on your life? To me, I don't even know why I responded so well, but the message that was coming over by this preacher called David Wilkerson on the movie actually, that was his name in real life, but on the movie, he was being David Wilkerson. It said this that people will try to put labels on you and put you in a box. They say, This is who you are, and often it's you who does it. Often it's you who says, I'm not good enough. I'm too shy. I can't possibly do anything for God. And the message spoke so deeply to my heart that on that day, even though I was already a church person, probably 12 years old, I don't know, maybe younger, I honestly do not know exactly what age it was when I became a Christian, but I put my hand up and I went forward and got prayed for by these people that were just showing a movie at a school. Jesus, come into my life, I need you because... I believed I was something I wasn't. And no doubt each and every one of us believes those things in our heart today. We look at our own lives and we think we're not whatever we need to be. We think we're not capable. Maybe we think we're not funny. We're not this. We're not that. No one will ever like me. Um, I can't endure. I can't be a happy person. I can't do these things. But they're labels that aren't real. They're put on you by yourself, by others, by society, by, by just things that happen. And God is saying, you need to break free of that. You are that person. You are who I say you are. And this is why it is so important that we get our identity in Christ. That we know who we are in Christ Jesus, because if we don't know who we are in Christ Jesus, we don't know who we are. That's just the bottom line. If I don't know who God made me, that he loves me, that he's made me special because he calls me special, the value assigned to me is nothing to do with anybody else but him. The creator of the universe who sent his son Jesus Christ to deliver me from sin, to deliver me from death and corruption. As long as I know that I am confident in him, Everything else changes in my life. And that is a good thing. So let's get to our message. <laughs> I've really been struck by, by the way that we live our Christian life, what it could be like, to what it is like we'll put some verses up in a minute but i'm not going to highlight this one but in revelation chapter 2 there's letters being written to the churches in revelation and one of them is ephesus we were just singing a song a little while ago and we were singing you know, about my first love you know jesus you're my first love you're the first love of my life you're the highest thing the best thing in my life and this church in ephesus at the time the writing was that you know, you've done all these amazing things, but I've got one thing that I've got against you as a church. Is you've lost your first love. You no longer love me or other people the way you should. That somehow in your Christian life, there's been this drawing away from me to other things. You've lost that first love. And the strangest thing about it is this. What it says to do to retain that love is to go back and do the things you used to do. or the works that you used to do, do them. It got me thinking. I was already thinking about it and then I heard a message with that verse in it as well and I was like, have I ever had that time, and I know I have, and I'm still having those times, where you've done something for God where you've become a Christian maybe and and you're a new Christian or maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but there's this season in your life where all of a sudden there's this stirring from God and and you make a decision to do something. You're like, you know what, God, for you, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. every morning for three weeks or as long as I can and I'm just going to pray at 5 a.m. in the morning. And you took yourself off and you prayed. If you're anything like me, I I did something like that, 5am in the morning. My prayers very soon became weird, like I'd be asleep and I'd be praying something and I was like, I don't even know what I just said, God. How do you know what it says? But there's this purpose in my heart that I wanted to please God. Or maybe you've decided I'm going to go on a fast. You didn't know much about fasting, but you've heard that if I fast, there, there could be breakthrough in my life and... And so you're like, that's it, I'm going on a seven-day fast, and you're all excited, you're, you're ready to do it, you're going to sacrifice something for God, and, and really all the fast was all the time, you're just thinking, oh, I want a hamburger. The whole time, just hamburger food, and you felt like you're not even thinking about God. Maybe you've done something like that. I remember when I was younger, they had uh, a crusade came to Darwin and in big tents, Bill Newman. I don't know if any of you guys know him, but there's these these times when Christianity was sort of intense, you know, I don't mean intense, I mean intense, (laughs) with a T, it was probably both, but you know, it was a big deal for Darwin, it's sort of like this Franklin Graham crusade, but even bigger, like it was just like this massive focus from all the churches in Darwin, and we're going to get people along, and Bill Newman's up there preaching, and you know, saying something and whatever it was and then there's like, you know, and you've got all these tapes and you need to bring them in and burn them. <laughs> these cassettes, they're worldly and they've got worldly messages. So as a young kid, you know, like I was still young, I decided, you know, I really need to listen to my tapes and see if there's anything that God wouldn't like in them. So I'm listening to this really, you know, controversial singer, Glenn Campbell, <laughs> If any of you don't know who Glenn Campbell is, he was like a country western type singer, sang a song called Rhinestone Cowboy, Um, it was awesome, it wasn't Alice Cooper or anything like that, I'm listening, oh I better listen to all these songs, and and in one of the songs it's got, I can make you mine, taste your lips of wine, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's alcohol, (laughs) how can I possibly listen to this song, it's got words of alcohol, so I, I grabbed that one, that's going in, and then another one by a band called America, which again is like a an American folk-type band, um, Horse With No Name, if anyone's ever heard of that one, Run Through the Desert, Horse With No Name. But there's something obscure on that too, and I was like, I better burn that. And, and so, <laughs> we, we, there's this big night, everyone brings in their tapes and dumps them down anyway, I got rid of them, and you know what, I think that was just stupid. <laughs> 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 now there are some things that we want to get rid of, but the thing was, the heart was there for God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And sometimes as mature Christians, we, we fall into this other place where sacrifice isn't anything we do anymore. Like, I love those tapes. As anyone would love those tapes. I loved them. They were special. They were precious to me. They were gifts to me. And yet I was willing to give them up because I thought, you know what? God, you might need this from me. I was willing to give up some sleep and go and pray because I thought, God, you might need this from me. I would go to prayer meetings because, God, I feel like, you know, prayer is so important, it's so vital, and I'd make sure I'd go even when it was against what I wanted to do. I remember, this isn't a story about how great I am because <laughs> I'm not. But it's just reminders of things that were being brought up to me. I remember going down to play footy for Southern District's football club. First, first year I could play, I was like, sort of old enough and I could get myself to training. So <laughs> you probably don't know the rural area back then, but sort of like dirt roads and stuff and pretty wild. So I jump on my little dragster. If you don't know what that bike is, Look it up, Google it, dragster. <laughs> Jump on it. I'm so excited because I love playing footy. Played at school all the time. This is the first time I could play a competition. And they always played on a Saturday. and knew it was all good. Everything's okay. But, you know, like I said, I wasn't that confident back then. But I jumped on with my brown stubbies, no T-shirt. Just, you know, bare chest right down to the footy ground. I was so shy. I didn't want to ride in. I parked my bike in the bush. It got stolen. Like, by the time I got back... It was stolen. Not fair, right? Anyway, I did training. I was all excited at the end. Righto, guys, we've changed footy to Sunday mornings. Oh, my gosh. My heart just sank. This is something that I thought I really wanted to do. I want to play footy. It's something that, that I came alive doing, and I know God wouldn't mind me playing footy. And all of a sudden, I was faced with a choice. Well, it was easy. So I'd already made a decision. God, you're first. And I didn't play footy that year. I went on to become a superstar. No, I didn't. <laughs> but I did play footy later in life. And those sorts of things are the things that we can look back on in our Christian life. No doubt that was you at some stage. Well, I hope it was. If it never was, I'd say you probably never had Jesus as a first love ever. You've grown up in religion or you've grown up knowing about God, but you've never actually fell in love with Christ. You've never given him everything that you are. And the thing is, with God, the Bible talks about sacrifice, but every time something was dedicated to God, it seemed like the fire came upon the sacrifice and things changed. And that's what happened in my life. All over my life, I see these points in other people's lives. I see these points where they stuck themselves into God. They were like, I'm going to seek God with all my heart. I'm going to sacrifice things in my life. And whether they got the breakthrough then or later on, they got breakthrough. And yet sometimes, as we mature in Christ, we forget this. And we don't sacrifice anything anymore. It's like we've got this breakthrough to a certain level in our life and we sit there comfortably, bored, wondering what God's going to do next. But he's saying, you know what, I've got something for you to do. We're going to look at a few verses now. So the first one is, what are we got first there? Hebrews 10, 32 to 33. So this is, um, if you look at earlier on in this chapter, it's talking about people going back to serve the law. So if you're thinking about what, what Christianity is, it came out of Judaism and they used to sacrifice animals, which is what God asked them to do. And, and many had become Christians because God had done away with that old covenant and brought in a new covenant, which was through Jesus Christ and his blood, which is that one forever sacrifice for sin and what what was happening is someone losing their faith and going back to the former ways and sacrificing animals so in that passage before this if you read that you'll see and you'll go well there's no more sacrifice for sin you know if i willingly trample christ underfoot, and sometimes as a christian you read things like that and like oh no i'm going to hell i've been totally obedient to god but it wasn't really talking about that the words that they use in that is if you actually reject god And what was happening was they were rejecting the new covenant with Jesus Christ and going back to the old ways, thinking that if they sacrifice animals, that'll deal with their sin, but it wouldn't. Only Jesus Christ could. So let's read this. And this is like how I think of me sometimes and hopefully how you think of yourselves. But think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering? Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. Sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all your own was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew that there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue Sorry. to do God's will then you will receive all that he has promised you ever feel like that when I read something like that I'm like wow was I like that once but now it's fallen away what about you with your faith thinking back to the early days of your faith what it was like were were you patient were you able to endure things you're like you know what I found Jesus, it's changed my life. God, you're there, you're real. And there's all these things that happen in your life, yet you held on to Christ. You're like, I know that, that he's real. I f- you feel his presence, you know his power in your life, and you're willing to go to the ends of the earth to keep your faithfulness to him. There's an encouragement here, guys, to keep on going. You have to keep on going till the end because often we can lose sight of the fact of eternity, that that it's the eternal things that we're after, which is what, when our mind focuses on those things, the eternal things, it holds us in good stead here on earth. Because we know that it's not about money and it's not about fame, it's not about fortune, it's not about my comfort but it's about living for Jesus Christ. And honestly, this world does not demand much sacrifice from us anymore at all. And it's certainly not given willingly. It seems that sacrifice is a bad word. We want to be comfortable. We want to, we want to have everything laid out for us. We want someone else to do all the hard work and we enjoy the benefits. And if something goes wrong, it's their fault. You know, my poor spiritual state is because the church didn't do something for me. My poor spiritual state is because of someone else's lack of care for me. My poor spiritual state has to be someone else's fault. It can't possibly be mine. They didn't make enough sacrifice for me. Hear it all the time. Someone who's been a Christian for many, many years walks into a place, someone doesn't say hello to them. Oh, I wonder what's wrong with them. That's it, I'm, I'm quitting. I can't be bothered anymore. Hello? Mature people acting like babies. And I take my ball and go home. But you know what? In any community, there's trouble. If you read through Acts, which is like the story of the early church, there were fights plenty. In Corinthians, there was a lot of fights. In James, he writes and he says, why are there so many fights and disputes among you? Because of your selfishness, because of your jealousy, because of your desire to have what others have, but not really put in the effort for it. I'm not going to talk about that today, but I just want to highlight that that your living in community will create conflict. But it's how you deal with it. What do I do? And I believe that for us as Christians, sacrifice has to be part of our everyday life. It has to be something that we do, that we decide to do. We're going to give our lives for Jesus Christ. And sometimes giving your life for Jesus Christ is quite inconvenient. And I'm sure it was very inconvenient for Jesus to leave heaven, come down to earth and die on a cross. It seemed a little inconvenient to me for him to be tortured for my sake. It seemed a little inconvenient for me for someone who was enjoying heaven already to come down and dine a cross so I could actually enter into the kingdom of God and enjoy the same type of life. It's inconvenient. Well, whose role is it then to keep this fire burning? And this is what I just want to highlight today because this is what has spoken to me. Have you ever heard that saying, absence makes the heart grow fonder? I've heard of it. So what's it saying? It's saying, you know, have a break from each other for a while and after a while you'll miss each other and it's just going to be all fabulous again. You know, I had a dream about that last night. Strangely enough, not leaving. (laughs) But I woke up and it's like these words came to me. Absence does make the heart grow fonder, but it grows fond of different things. And I was thinking about People who work away from home, in the mines, Army, Navy, Air Force, people who spend a lot of time away from home. Do you know that the highest suicide rate is in people who work at mine sites in Western Australia, men who kill themselves because their wives have found someone else? There's so much marriage disruption in so many of those jobs where men and women are separated from each other. Absence didn't make the heart grow fonder at all. It just turned to something else, someone else to meet the need. And for us as Christians, it is exactly the same thing. That is why Paul wrote and he said, don't neglect coming together. He said in the last days, it's even more important that you meet together as Christians, just like the early church met together in the church, in the temple, and in each other's homes. It wasn't One or the other, it was both. That gathering together, and I don't know if you've noticed it, but I noticed it. If I miss church for a little while, my heart starts to really long for that fellowship. I want to be there. But if you go too long, you forget your first love. You just forget it. So people who are happily married that are spending a long time apart, they forget that first love because they're not in relationship anymore. It's exactly the same with us and God and and, and probably why at those times when we're really pressing into him, we feel this closeness. We're like, man, I'd do anything for you, Jesus. You just ask me, I'm going to do it. You need me to speak to that person about Jesus. I'm going to do it. I'm going to overcome my fear and insecurity. And I'm just going to say, hey, um, you need Jesus. But as we keep stepping away from him, this this fire goes out within us. There's a fire that should be continually burning in us because when the time comes for sacrifice, we're ready. The altar's ready. That, that our hearts are burning for Jesus. We're, we're, we're alive for him. We're giving everything we can to him. And our hearts are just got this little flame burning inside us. We're keeping relationship. We're, we're praying. We're reading the word. We're making sure we keep in fellowship. And... I know that you would know this because I find it in my life, the longer I'm away, the less bold I become. The more time I spend with other Christians that are on fire or, or talking about the word of God, like I'll meet with them at a coffee shop, I'll leave, and all of a sudden I can take on the world again. Because we've just spent time talking about the amazing goodness of Jesus Christ. What he's done in our life, how he loves people, and my heart just gets on fire. But who's going to tend that? Look at our next passage. in Leviticus. So this is the Old Testament. The first, the Bible's broken into two covenants, Testaments, the Old and the New. So this is under the Old Testament, which is what I sort of mentioned a little bit before, how sacrifices were given by the priests to God for the people. Give Aaron and his sons the following instructions regarding the burnt offering. The burnt offering must be left on top of the altar until the next morning, and the fire on the altar must be kept burning all night. In the morning after the priest on duty has put on his official linen clothing and linen undergarments, he must clean out the ashes of the burnt offering and put them beside the altar. Then he must take off his garments, change back into his regular clothes, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offerings on it. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. Now, under the old covenant, there is a tribe of priests one of the tribes that, of Israel was the priests. They represented the people to God. But under the new covenant, the Bible says that we're all priests. Can you just put that last verse up again? Is that possible? Sorry, <laughs> run back. Remember, this is what hit me when I read this passage. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. Hmm. Does that sort of stir your heart a little? You know when they dedicated the temple, like God told them to build the temple and this is what you're going to do, and they dedicated the temple, and it says that Solomon prayed and the fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice on the altar. God provided the fire but the priest's job was to keep it burning. And I feel in our lives it's exactly the same. God has provided the fire, the Holy Spirit has come upon us. We've given our lives to him if we're Christians. And the altar is our life because the Bible talks about how we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's living inside of us. And God provided the fire the day that you said, I receive you, Jesus, into my life. The Holy Spirit came and into your life and there's a fire inside of you. This, this old person became a new creation, alive to God. And this fire burnt within you and then that's why it's, it's so amazing and I guess it's a little bit like the dedication of the temple, that the fire fell from heaven and it consumed it. And and that's how it is for us when Jesus comes into our life. It's like, I cannot believe that there's this God so wonderful and kind that can forgive me of all my sin. And we feel this consuming fire of love for us that we've never felt before. And many people will testify to a weight being lifted off them, like the weight of sin that they've been carrying, because now the shoulders of Jesus on the cross have carried those sins. And it's spectacular, it's amazing and it's beautiful because God's come in to your life in a way that you never thought possible and your life changed. Maybe you were angry and you became unangry, whatever it might be, there's something at least in your life that changed. And you were willing to say on that day, Jesus, I belong to you. And nothing's changed. You see, a Christian doesn't carry Jesus with him as an accessory. Jesus is everything. Can't be any other way. Jesus is my life. He's not part of my life. He is my life. He's everything. And so I just want to throw out that to you today because I was so challenged by this, thinking and I was like, man, yeah, I I do make sacrifices and I have and I will continue to do so. But if I want to make a sacrifice, I've got to do something about keeping that fire burning. I have to keep the fire burning in my heart. Because what will happen otherwise is God will say it's time. I need you to step out. I need you to sacrifice this. I need you to sacrifice your Wednesday night, your Tuesday, your Saturday morning, your Sunday morning, whatever it might be, your the favorite thing you do, but you know that you need to step into what God wants. And you chuck this sacrifice on the altar, but it's wet. There's no flame. Nothing burns, and pretty soon you just end up taking it back off. I don't know how many times that I've met. Look, there's an, <laughs> there's an enemy out to destroy you guys. I don't know how many times when it's happened where someone who's wanting to get into fellowship, like in a small group or something, they're free on Tuesday night, they have finally made the decision to come, and the boss rings up and says, I need you to work on Tuesdays from now on or sports changes to that night, or whatever it might be, can I just encourage you that the sacrifice is worth it? I've never made a sacrifice to God and not received more back. Never. And you know sometimes when you need breakthrough in your life, you just might need to sacrifice Something. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to take the step of faith? You want breakthrough, but you're not willing to give up anything. Go back to your first love. Think back to how you used to be. And as Jesus said to that church at Ephesus, He didn't say, You know, read more, pray more. That might be part of it. But go back. Do the works you used to do. Go back and do the works you used to do. That's what shows your love for me and for people. When you actually actively engage in doing the things that you know you're called to Keep the fire burning in yourself. Don't let it go out. As the writer of Hebrew encourages us, just keep it going. Don't forget. Because if you endure, if you're patient, it has great reward, even the saving of your souls. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you so much for your goodness. And Lord, each and every one of us is asked to give something different, to sacrifice at different levels. But Lord, you want us to break through in our lives. So this morning, I'm just praying, Father God, that you would break through in our lives, that we would come to know the sacrifice that you're asking of us again, Lord, that we would go back to that first love, that we would become again,